What happens when you put two experts behind mics to match wits on the current state of financial services, the economy, investments, and more? From the American College of Financial Services, this is Wealth Managed. Welcome to Wealth Managed. I'm Michael Finca. I'm a professor of wealth management at the American College. And I'm David Blanchett, head of retirement research for PGM, which is the investment management group at Prudential. Oh, wait a minute. That's different than it was last season. You're, you're no longer at Morningstar. That's a big change. That is true. I was there for 10 years. All good things must come to an end. So new job. A new job. And so not only do we have that momentous occasion to celebrate on today's podcast, we also have special guest, Sophia Duffy. Sophia is an assistant professor of small business planning at the American College. And we brought Sophia in to talk about some of the tax changes that are going to be happening potentially in 2021 and 2022. Seems like every year we have these big tax changes that small business owners have to deal with and their financial advisors need to keep on top of them. So Sophia is going to tell us a little bit about what some of these potential taxation issues are and what advisors need to be thinking about this year to potentially address some of these issues. So Sophia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Michael. I'm happy to be here. So Sophia, talk about some of the things that advisors should be thinking about this year when it comes to taxation. Well, you really hit the nail on the head when you said there are a lot of different tax changes, and many of these tax changes are going to be impacting small business owners on the income tax side, as well as on the estate and gift tax side. So there's a lot of moving parts that they need to be aware of, not to mention there is a lot of pressure right now because the pendulum has really swung from one extreme to the other between the changes in the administration and a lot of lawmakers are trying to push these changes through before the next midterm election because you really never know how the layout is going to go after that. So you see the changes coming down the line. The unfortunate part is we just don't know what's going to get passed and in what form. We see a lot of proposals right now that are pretty extreme, and we don't know if they're going to get passed in their current form or if they're going to have significant modifications. Although there is a lot of speculation out there from industry experts on what might realistically go through and what probably won't pass. Let's start with some of those income tax changes. Now, we just had those qualified business income tax changes over the last couple of years. We're still trying to figure, many small business owners are trying to figure that out. What are some of the other changes that are coming down the road? So in addition to the KBI, there's also income tax changes. Now, the Biden proposal has actually put through a change to the capital gains rate as well as the top marginal income tax rate, that is the one that it seems most likely that it will actually pass. So that in summary, the change is that the top marginal income tax rate will go back to 39.6%, which is what it was before the Trump administration. So that will go back to what it was. But the big change is that the top capital gains rate will now become the top marginal income tax rate. So that means for any capital gains uh, or realized in, in one taxable year above $1 million, you're going to see that tax at 39.6%. That's almost double what it currently is at 20%. And when you add the you know, net investment income tax onto that, you get over 40% of taxation. Now, for most small business owners, you know, if they don't earn a million dollars in salary, they're going to think this doesn't impact them. Where it will impact them and what they might not realize is that when they sell their business, these capital gains are going to be taxed at potentially over 40% or closer to 43%. And so they have to be aware of that and they have to plan for that accordingly. The timing of the tax changes 
is also unknown, which makes it really hard to plan. We don't know if it's going to be retroactive starting in April of 2020, or it could be what is more likely implemented in January of 2022, or April of 2021 to January of 2022. You mentioned that when a business owner sells, this might impact them. Explain why that is, because I think that a lot of advisors are thinking, this is not going to affect my clients. They're not making more than a million dollars a year. Why might it end up biting them? Let's take a common scenario. You have an individual who started a business. They put years into the business. A lot of business owners have really no idea what their business is worth. They have, you know, an emotional valuation in their mind, what they think it might be worth. But until they actually get maybe a certified valuation analyst in there to come in and do a valuation, they may not know. So when they go to sell their business, they may find out it's worth $5 million or $7 million when they, you know, maybe only thought it was worth a couple million. That sounds like good news, except when they go to sell the business now, they're going to have capital gains that are going to be taxed if the Biden proposal passes at 39.6% plus the net investment income tax. So this is a huge tax bill that they were probably unprepared for and they didn't realize it. And so some ways that they may be able to you know, structure around that are to make sure that, for example, this sale can be structured over time as an installment sale so that their taxable income per year stays under a million dollars. And another nuance to this rule that they need to watch out for is that that million dollars includes total taxable income. It's not just the capital gains on the sale. So they have to take into account their own salary that they may be drawing from the business, their spouse's income as well. So all of these little things are sort of hidden loopholes or traps that may cause them to go well above a million dollars in a year when they really had not expected to do that. So this is David, quick question for you. When you say a million dollars, is it like a, like a, if it's nine, 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 it's 20% and it goes straight to the higher number? Like, like, is it phased in? Are there breakpoints? How does it work exactly? It is actually just a strict threshold number. So you're at 20% under a million or up to a million. And then when you go over a million, you hit the 39.6. So it's not progressive up to the million, you know, between that amount. However, they, according to the research that the Biden uh, administration has done, this is supposed to affect a very small percentage of the population. I think it's only 0.3% of the population is what they're saying in the proposal that has taxable income of over a million dollars in one year. What they're not taking into account, though, that we have to be careful of is these business sales. So someone's taxable income may be over a million in the year of the sale. It just isn't over a million in any other year. So what are some of the strategies that advisors might be able to recommend for a business owner in 2021? Well, the biggest thing we need to watch out for is that liquidity problem, right? So if you have a huge tax bill in one year, we need to plan ahead for that to make sure there's enough liquidity to pay that, right? So if we've got the sale in, let's say, 2022, we need to plan now to make sure that we're going to have enough liquid funds to pay that tax bill in 2022. However, what a lot of advisors are suggesting is exactly what we mentioned before, which is you can structure the sale as an installment sale. So you've got the sale in one year, but the payments are structured over time. And as long as we plan those accordingly, you can set the payments so that the total taxable income to the seller of the business stays under the million dollar threshold, then any capital gains are going to be taxed at the probably top rate of 20% rather than jumping all the way up to the 39.6%. And there is an option that some sales can qualify for, which is all of the capital gain can be recognized in the year of the sale rather than spread out over time. Normally, most individuals would run from that option, right? Nobody wants to pay all the tax right away when they're not going to get the payments for several years to come. 
But in this case, it might actually be a great idea because if you can accelerate the sale in 2021 and the tax changes don't become effective until 2022, you can stay at the 20% top margin rate for capital gains. You don't ever have to worry about jumping up to 39.6%. Again, the problem is, as I mentioned, we don't know when these changes are gonna actually occur and when they will become effective, if they'll even be passed. So you might do all this planning and effectuate a sale this year. And then in the end, it didn't matter because none of these proposals passed. Unfortunately, that's something we just don't know because we don't have the ability to look into the future. Let's take a break right now. At the American College of Financial Services, we're proud of the accomplishments of our expert faculty and thought leaders and the recognition they receive both inside and outside our organization. This is George Nichols, President and CEO, and I'd like to congratulate Michael Finca and David Blanchett, hosts of our Wealth Managed podcast, on being named to the 2021 Think Advisor IA25 list of professionals pushing the financial services industry forward. On behalf of all of us at the college, keep up the great work. Give your clients the retirement security they need with our Retirement Income Certified Professional designation. Visit theamericancollege.edu slash RICP to learn more. Let's continue the conversation with Sophia where we left off. Can you change your mind? So like, like if you structure a sale this way, I guess, can you include provisions that say, hey, if there's not legislation that creates an adverse tax environment, you can do it differently? Or is it kind of, you've got to go ahead and pick your spot and then hope that things you know, turn out as they could? Well, I guess it depends on who you're selling to, right? If they're going to agree to that kind of flexibility in the contract, but it's, I, you know, theoretically that could happen if you were selling to say your family, right? So say you've got a business owner who's selling to their children who are going to take on the business and they could put a provision in that sale contract that says that, you know, they could take the business back if such and such happens. I mean, it, you know, it's a contract as long as nothing illegal is going on, they can of course reverse the sale. If they're selling to a key employee though, or a third party that's not within the family, I, I I can't imagine that that purchaser would want that kind of uncertainty unless there was a huge discount on the sale price for that, right? So as long as, I guess, as long as the money's there, <laughs> they can make anything happen. But if you were selling to family, you have a lot more flexibility with that. Now, there might be an incentive not to sell the business, in which case the business owner might have to deal with estate planning issues. So what are some of the estate planning issues that someone may need to consider if they don't decide to sell the business? Well, that's actually another option, right? So you think, well, maybe I don't want to deal with this tax mess and I'm just going to gift the business to my family members instead, right? So I'll just gift them the shares over time and I don't have to worry about income taxes or I'll just leave the business to my family in my estate. Well, that sounds like a great option, except that the Biden proposals also include some restrictions on the gift and estate side. And the biggest one is that changes to the step-up basis rule. So right now what we have is step-up taxation, I'll say. Right now what the rules call for is that if property is say transferred through an estate to the beneficiaries or the heirs, the property is not gonna be taxed on the capital gains that were realized before death, right? So it basically gets step-up and that's not subject to tax. However, under the new rules, the step-up taxation would still be tied to that capital gains of 39.6% over a million dollars. So basically what's happening is we're forcing the estates to realize the capital gain at death. So the estate now would have an income tax bill at that 39.6% rate for any gain over a million dollars. 
So that would all be filed on the estate income tax return. So although the heirs are still getting the business at the step up value, we unfortunately now have to pay income tax on that capital gain that the estate didn't have to before. And that results in just fewer assets passing on to the heirs. The hard thing for me now is to know, like, what is an advisor supposed to do, right? With all this uncertainty about if you're structuring a deal into the year, like advisors listening, how would you tell them to proceed if they have a business owner that's kind of, you know, on the verge of possibly selling a business? Well, I think there's a couple of things. The first is, of course, present a few options, right? And then you can pull the trigger on these different options according to what proposals actually pass. And we should really know within the next few months, which are going to pass and then which are maybe going to pass, but with significant modifications. So one is, for example, right now we've got the federal exemption is extremely high right now at $11 million, right? Over $23 million for a married couple. If you want to preserve that exemption, you need to make the transfer now while the exemption is still high. It's due to sunset at the end of 2025. And the Biden administration hasn't said anything yet about changing that. So assuming that that holds true, if, for example, you gift the family business now to the next generation or to other family members, now you can preserve that $11 million exemption even after the exemption sunsets. So that would be, I think, one planning strategy. Maybe structure a gift, get everything in place, and then see what happens with these proposals and then pull the trigger on making that transfer before the end of the year. Because we should have plenty of knowledge by you know, December 31st whether or not these Biden proposals are going to pass. Another option, too, is to structure or make sure that we've got assets that have enough liquidity that if we do end up having to pay tax in 2021 on these capital gains, say if the sale has already occurred, that we've got the liquid assets available to pay the tax on that. And I haven't really spoken yet about the other proposals, the 99.5 Act for the 99.5% Act, as well as the STEP Act. And some of those will actually affect how we do planning as well. The biggest one for the 99.5% Act is that there's a big restriction on valuation discounts for a business. So again, depending on what happens there, and those are, I think, less likely to pass without significant modifications because you know, the unfortunate truth is a lot of the individuals who would say yes to it passing own business interests, and these are going to affect them and their own estates as well. So if we've got restrictions on valuation discounts for business owners, we want to be able to plan for that, but just making sure we've got different options available and then executing those options, depending on which proposals pass, I think is our only best option in this case. I wouldn't go so far, David, as starting to pull assets out of trust or decanting anything right now. I would just make sure that we've got options laid out and that we can execute them. So this idea scares me a little bit of the tax tail wagging the business owner's dog, the idea that we're maybe even giving up control of the business and passing it on to someone who would maybe not yep. prepare to take, take over the family business. How, as a business owner, can I retain a certain amount of control while at the same time passing my business on to family members who I may not have been prepared to pass the business on to. Yep, that's a huge risk, right? So in any case, you never want to hastily pass a business on without making sure that the individuals are ready to take the helm. What you can do, if you, if you feel maybe the next generation is not quite there yet, they need a little bit more management guidance, more mentoring, you can, again, structure the transfer over time. So even with gifting, you can just structure some shares to be transferred each year so that the 
next generation gets more and more ownership over time, takes on more and more management responsibilities, where the current business owner then can take a step back, right? And sort of let them manage more and more over the next few years. You shouldn't do anything without having at least a five-year plan in place of getting those people up to speed, even a key employee, getting them up to speed on handling those big decisions. And then you can always take a step back as the salaried employee, the business owner can step down as CEO, for example, but they can still own shares. So they would still have voting power in the business without having management authority. So there's a few different options that they can do, but the key is to make sure that the next generation is assuming more and more responsibility over time so that by the time the final transfer occurs, the whole transfer of the business, that they're really ready to take that on. Sophia, thank you so much for providing this information. Is there one final takeaway for financial advisors when they're talking with business owners, especially since we may only have a few months to deal with some of these issues? What do you think is the most important thing they need to consider over the coming months? I would say it's just two words, two words, don't panic. And then the third word, which is just prepare, right? So don't panic, meaning don't do anything right now that you wouldn't have done a year ago. Don't transfer the business now just because you're afraid about a tax bill. Like you said, you can always hold on to the business and see what happens after the midterm elections. That could be a good option. And you don't want to start transferring assets out of different places and moving things into the name of the spouse when you really don't know what's going to occur. Some of these proposals are put out there more as a statement, and they know that they're not going to pass, right? So it's more of a statement to say, this is what we believe in. These are our principles, and we're sort of signaling to our constituents that this is what we believe. But in reality, we know that they're not going to pass. So just sit tight and wait. And prepare, as advisors, we want to prepare our clients for the options, right? So we're preparing them for what might occur. I really see there's two different ways that we can prepare for our clients to to handle these. The first is that capital gains, right? Making sure we have options for spreading the gain out over time or accelerating the sale if we want to do that. And then the second is that step up, the impact of step up. So we have to make sure we have enough liquidity in the estate to pay that eventual tax bill if we have to. Thank you so much for joining us, Sophia. That was a lot of great information. And thank you for joining us on today's episode. I'm Michael Finca. I'm David Blanchett. See you later. For more episodes and shows, visit theamericancollege.edu slash podcasts. Wealth Managed is a production of the American College of Financial Services.